Hey, Combo Nation. I don't care if it's winter time. If you're in your car, put those windows down and just zone out. <laughs> Let's get into it, man. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What is up, everyone? And welcome to episode 341 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune in to Combo's Court. Today's show, Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown joins in to talk about his Michael Jordan-Anthony Edwards comparison, chimes in on who has a better chance to win it all in the East between the Nets and the Sixers, the Celtics NBA trade deadline move, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with Coach Nick. You can find Coach Nick on YouTube at B-Ball Breakdown. That's BB. A-L-L-B-R-E-A-K-D-O-W-N. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Nick, B-Ball Breakdown. Welcome back to the show. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm hanging in there. I'm just hiding from COVID still and hiding from everybody. And, uh, you know, although I did have some people over for the Super Bowl outside, and that was kind of nice to pretend like we were back to normal. So I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I just got to thank you on my podcast for, you know, opening up your platform. I, I joined the conversation, live streams all the time. It's been a lot of fun. I wanted to thank you for that, Coach Nick. Oh, well, my pleasure. Thank you for being part of it. It's been so smooth and easy, and I'm glad that we could make it happen. Most definitely. So you made a video about Anthony Edwards, and I wanted to ask you about it because I've always said, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I must have said it on social media and maybe the podcast as well, that I think Anthony Edwards is a future MVP. I'd also be surprised if he's never an all-NBA player. I think he'll become that as well. But, you know, you grew up watching Michael Jordan live in person i know that coach nick and i wanted to ask you what are the similarities that you see because obviously that was what the video was about so tell me more yeah well you know there's like movement wise there's some similarities there uh the explosion the the hang time the uh, height in on the jump um you know the there's a bit of a ferocity that he does move with uh, although he doesn't necessarily have that mentally he doesn't he doesn't attack you like Michael Jordan did. Nobody did really. Maybe, maybe, you know, Kobe was the only other guy that was, you know, kind of crazy about that. Uh, And in fact, we had heard, you know, interesting tidbits from Anthony Edwards when he was, um, you know, around draft time, or it maybe it felt like maybe basketball wasn't his favorite sport or something like that. And I don't even know if that's a bad thing these days anymore, because I mean, this guy is so talented that maybe he's not going to burn out and like kind of, lose whatever that edge he might have because of this obsessiveness quality that like Michael might have had. So at any rate, but there, there's a movement quality there, movement pattern that seems to remind me of Michael. Now he's a little bit thicker, right? And um and, and maybe even like more powerful in that respect. Uh maybe in more in that like um what's his face? Um uh Clyde Drexler mode, you know, mm-hmm. physically. 
but uh, I'm, I don't know. There's something there. There's there's a footwork there. There's a uh, you know explosiveness, and it just it, it reminds me. And hardly anybody has since Michael retired. Yeah, I actually had a tweet a while back. Um, I don't know verbatim, but I remember saying that is as athletic as you think Anthony Edwards is, he's probably more athletic. And now I think it's that as much as you think Anthony Edwards is skilled, he's probably more skilled than that. That's what I think. That's not a tweet, but that's what I'm thinking now because everybody sees that dunk he had and the dunks that he has, and everybody knows he's a supreme athlete now. But now people are remiss to talk about his skill set. He has all different kinds of finishes in the lane. He can score on three levels. He's not only a great athlete, but he's a very skilled player as well. You know, uh, he is, and he can, I mean, he's certainly, you know, he's shooting 36% from three on o- almost nine attempts per game, which is like, you know, by age 20, so far ahead of even like what Michael Jordan was. And so that you have to imagine could progress. Now he keeps that number a little bit low because he takes some bad threes, some ISO step back three stuff. Now he might get better at those. And that's an interesting question. We need to have, you know, several more years, I think of data to really figure out like, what is that kind of hardened step back three-point percentage what can that max out at because if you take more and more of those then you know and, and you max out at 33 percent on that then you're never going to be able to get to like 40 overall um so that's my only concern is like if he starts to believe a lot of the hype and really kind of um you know play change his game a little bit more and become sort of a little bit more i i guess the word would be you know selfish i i worry about that because at some point that might ultimately cause his his percentage in, for him to be sort of a a guy that's not as uh, efficient as he should be you mean more isocentric yeah i mean he's already doing a lot of isos for a second year player it's impressive I mean, right now it's impressive right young guy getting his feet wet and he is really taking over this offense but um at some point if if there isn't progression and you know then he you know you don't want to be someone that no one wants to play with. Right. And so that's my only concern is that it could go that way. I don't see any evidence why he seems like a great guy. who's a pleaser who wants to be a good teammate. And those are all really important qualities for this, that's that skill and that position. So, uh, you know, my only fear I think would be like, yes, he becomes some sort of a, of, um, you know, a black hole that never gives it up and in ISOs and, you know, not to like draw a comparison to Harden per se, but Harden also kind of keeps his percentages lower sometimes because of those shots. Yeah. So what do you think he has to do for my prediction to come true for him to become an MVP? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, obviously the team itself is going to need to win more games than it is, although it's surprisingly doing well. You know, that leader alpha dog, which he already has. So I think that's already, you know, coming into place. So, I mean, you have to probably average 20, you know, he has to bump up about five points a game. Right. Like that, that's sort of the threshold, I think. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if there's a time in his career where he averages like 34, 35. Right. Like that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I mean, that's a lot. And even in this pace, you know, thing, we're not getting much more than I think 30. Right. As the league leader. But, um, you know, I mean, Michael had that year where he did 37. But, right. uh, you know, if he's got cat with him, then he'll probably always have, you know, a few less opportunities than a guy on a bad team who could just shoot whenever he wants. And that's probably okay. They'll, they'll win more games that way. So uh, I, I just think he needs to continue. I mean, he went from 19, now he's at 22 and a half or so. He'll probably finish right around there this year. So if he continues to progress on that points per game, then, you know, in another couple of years, he'll get into that, you know, that 26, 27 point range. He'll be top, that'd be top five points per game. And, you know, and then once you get to that level, I would like to see, and by the way, he went from, you know, three, 2.9 assists per game um, at 32 minutes. Now he's playing 35 minutes. It's a lot of minutes. And he's at 3.7 assists. He probably would need to get that closer to like four and a half, five, I would think. 
to really solidify him in that conversation. But once he gets to that, then um, yeah, he should be in the, like the top five, you know, count uh, vote for uh, MVP for sure. Coach Nick, he'll be a future MVP. I, you, I see you mentioned Harden. Yeah. The trade deadline happened after we talked last Tuesday. I didn't really get to hear your thoughts on that, but not even really about the trade line. I want to hear from you. Who do you think has a better chance to win it all in the East when it comes to the Nets and the Sixers? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I kind of want to see Ben Simmons. I'm going to, I just did a video on Harden and how that's going to fit with Embiid. And I think, you know, uh, I think Harden had checked out, right? It seems like the reports are coming out now. So whatever the bad play was happening and even maybe for the whole season, because we know guys sometimes check out earlier than we realize that um, in theory, he, he gets revitalized. He looks better. He already looked a little thinner to me at practice at Sixers practice. hundred percent. hundred weird. And it's not possible. He don't get thinner over like four, three or four days, but he looked different. Right. So if, okay, if that's the case and they get Harden back uh, to anywhere near Harden levels, then geez, like that, that should be terrific for the Sixers because they're already doing really well anyway. Um, I need to see Simmons, but I'm probably going to do a video anyway to kind of like, uh, you know, prognosticate a little bit of how that might look. Um, boy, boy, oh boy. It's like, you know, Simmons versus Kevin Durant is really what you need to decide in terms of who has a better shot, right? Um, I, I, you might have to lean towards uh, the Nets, but only if they can somehow sort out the Kyrie situation where, you know, if he's only playing half the games or whatever, they, that, that it's not affecting them so deeply. But I can't believe that that won't. And uh, if the season progresses like it will and he won't be able to play in certain venues, I just don't see the Nets are going to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, I would say with full-time Kyrie, the Nets definitely have the better team and the better roster and the better fit between their top guys, right? Um, it, w- it, would, it would feel that way, that Ben Simmons could be the engine. But I got to tell you one thing. If they freaking start Andre Drummond with Ben Simmons in the starting lineup, I'm going to throw my phone out the window. They need to start Ben at the center. Let him be the center. Let KD be the four. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he's going to get Drummond gets in the way, and and Simmons won't be the best version of himself either. Yeah, I mean, he could have fit into that Bruce Brown type role. I've talked about that. I think Russell Westbrook should play that role, but Ben at that role is just elite. I think. I mean, he could do what Blake Griffin was doing at a way higher level when Blake was playing well, and even do it at a way higher level than that if we bring Ben. Um, into the mix and also Ben plays in transition he's phenomenal in transition he's gonna kind of give that team a new look I mean with Kyrie and and Harden there was some redundancy in the skill set and there's no redundancy at all when it comes to Ben and Kyrie or Ben and KD I just think it's a better fit overall yeah and then you get more defense which is also a nice thing for them Um, now the Philly Philly's defense was already you know they had some really good defenders and they were already kind of doing okay there anyway Uh, but they're gonna have to outscore their opponents I think I, I just don't think that Bible and, and Embiid over the course of a seven game series can cover for their teammates well enough, uh, consistently enough to really, you know, sustain that over a seven game series, you know, against a good team in the second round or the third round. Um, whereas in theory, the Nets do have um, they should be able to play defense better um, overall, I would think. Hey, you think the Sixers need to maximize this honeymoon timeline with Harden? Because because when Harden right, arrives to a place. He doesn't, uh, you know, make problems right away. So maybe they just got to win it right now. Uh, right. Uh, that that would be the case. And, and they have time, right? They have – he could kind of take his time, get acclimated, whatever they want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, whether this hamstring is really a thing or not, I don't know. Um, you know, so they, they could take their sweet time. They got, what, 25 games left in the season? 
they could literally let like just let him work out or whatever uh and then play the last like you know 12 games and probably be okay what are some trade deadline moves that really fascinated fascinated you because the one that i really like is Derek white to the celtics i don't think me or you have been as high on the celtics as maybe others i don't think me or you are as high on tatum as maybe some other players but Derek white is definitely that connective piece and i think sometimes there's guys who are good to very good players when they get in the right fit they become great players do you like that trade for the Celtics? Because I love it. I, absolutely. I mean, Derek White's been on my favorite player list for a long time, and has kind of struggled in a way to like get, um, uh, you know, get his niche in uh, in in San Antonio. I mean, he he was doing fine this year, and a little bit little bit not as good as he was last year. Um, and I know that even before that, pop popping the Yankee in the lineup, so it was really kind of difficult to get that rhythm, but. It's for me with Derek White, it's about his mental state. Like, does he feel confident? Does he feel wanted? Uh, are they going to put him in positions where he can succeed? And it looks like the for so far, the Celtics are doing really well with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's doing everything he was doing in San Antonio, and it's a nice jolt in the arm for them. They they might be able to ride this. Now, you know, as well as I do, I'm well documented that I'm worried about Marcus Smart, and I feel like he puts the ceiling on them, and they didn't trade him. So uh, that's always in the back of my mind, but Derek White certainly will help a lot of things. And, you know, coming off the bench for them and being a spark plug, you know, I, I don't think he's going to start, right? Um, I don't think so, but he just is that connective piece. And he plays defense like the rest of his team because their defense has been really good for a while now, even before he got there and he could add to that. For sure. And, you know, they, they have a nice win over Atlanta and a nice win over Denver uh, since he's gotten there. So uh, that's those are good. Those are the kind of wins they hadn't been getting uh, recently. Um, they, they could throw some interesting things into the mix of the first round of the playoffs and, and, and make some people scared, but I don't think, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, Jalen Brown is, should have been an all-star as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, wait, did he get the nod? Did they pull him up? I don't think so. No, uh, it was, uh, Jared Allen got this, the spot. Um, yeah. and so, you know, he easily could have been that next guy if anybody else has to drop out. So, um, they have the, you know, and then Tatum is an all-star. So they, they have some pieces, but yeah, Ime has been really, I think, you know, struggling to figure out how to make all these things work together. And Derek White was, is definitely a glue guy. Most definitely. I mean, you got to let me know, Coach Nick, what were the Kings thinking trading Tyrese Halliburton? I know they made some trades after that initial trade, you know, DiVincenzo trying to add some shooting and scoring. But when you have a mix of Sabonis, Rashawn Holmes and Fox. I just don't know how that's going to work in the long term. And they traded away their one untouchable guy. They made a right. They made the right decision in the draft. They weren't even supposed to. They weren't even supposed to get this guy. This guy wanted to stay there. He cried when they traded him. And he's that player that you could build with. He's that player that other star players could play with. Sabonis is the type of player that you kind of got to build around. He's not as fluid. A little bit more rigid. Even though he is a great player, nonetheless. What were your thoughts on that trade? I mean, I, I think that they chose. They had a choice between Fox and Halliburton, and they chose Fox. They chose the guy that they knew, you know, was already, you know, had established, uh, you know, numbers there. They knew what they had with him. Uh, but, yeah, I would argue that Halliburton could very well have had a, a higher upside, which is, you know, would be really pretty high because Fox is good. Yeah. Um, so th- that has to be the answer is that they, they, they had to make a decision. Although the, the, the answer isn't necessarily that. They didn't have to make a decision, right? They didn't have to make that trade anyway, but – um, you know, they, 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 they get an all-star back. Um, so that's not bad for them. You know, they're, they're getting a good player and that's, that's the, you have to give up an asset to get him. Yeah. I guess it, it's good for the, uh, for the Pacers. I like that backcourt with, uh, Duarte 
you know, and Tyrese. Yeah, and then Brogdon's already there. Yeah, um, Brogdon's now, already there. But but trading well, the other move I really liked was when they when they traded um the Pacers trade um the guard who played for the Nets. Uh where did he go? Levert. Oh, that's right. Levert. He's more like a three, right? He went to, I guess he went to Cleveland, was, right? He went to yeah, Cleveland. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that that's interesting too because like by the way that makes cleveland in my mind leapfrog over a lot of people i think uh, that adding think, revert to th- cleveland makes him really dangerous yeah definitely he's that scoring punch that they needed do you think they're a legit title contender now we uh i don't know if they're a, i don't know title contender but they're gonna be a um they're gonna be they could be a spoiler they could upset somebody in that first you know well, let's see where are they right now um what, let's see what's their um are they fourth Let's see. I haven't checked the standings in a, in a week. Uh, let's see. The Cavaliers are third. So, yeah, you, you know what? I? <laughs> it's funny. The Bulls are struggling. Levine's hurt. And I don't know. He's looking for a second opinion in L.A., which is never a good thing. But hopefully it's not serious. Um, and the Heat. You, you know what? The Cavaliers have as good a shot as the Bulls and the Heat do. I think that they do. Well, the now, Bulls- we're not talking about the Bucs. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the Sixers. Um, but I think if you're talking about the other contenders there, they're definitely, you know, third in line. You say Cleveland has as much of a chance as the heat. I think so. I, I the heat are the heat. And I, I don't know. They got, vet, they got, they got veterans with experience though. in going deep into the playoffs, Lowry is a champion. Okay. Then I, I guess I'll be proven wrong, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? I need to do a deep dive. Everyone's yelling at me for not having done a video on the, on the heat yet. And I don't know why I haven't, it just hasn't, I haven't been able to get to it. I don't know, but I, I'm going to get to it. Like hopefully in the next like two weeks, I'm really going to study the heat. Cause I, I haven't had a chance to really look at them recently. And I, I do want to see what everyone's talking about, why they're number one in the East. But um, I do feel like uh, Cleveland, uh, I like Cleveland. I think they have a lot of good parts and, um, and, and, and can threaten. Have you been watching DeMar DeRozan play lately? Because it seems like he took even another leap. He got to be in that MVP conversation now, right? Yeah, I mean, especially because he's, you know, the Bulls are still up there and they're winning a lot of games. Uh, and he'll, and by the way, with Levine injured is what helps him, right? Because now he can really do that. Uh, that's the question. If Levine comes back and he's, and he's healthy and he plays normal minutes, uh, DeRozan doesn't win it because those two guys are going to, you know, cancel each other out. Well, they've been playing great together, though. Like their numbers they are have. really nice together. I just think that when they, but, but by virtue of them together, I think it kind of, it's kind of like when Kyrie and and KD play alongside, or even like Harden, like maybe none of those guys get to win the, 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 the um, MVP award because they're kind of all sort of, you know, sacrificing enough where like someone else jumps ahead of them. Um, But it'll be interesting now because Embiid clearly was the front runner, but now that Harden joins him, that, that also could, you know, and and maybe in a good way for the team, lower some of his numbers and then maybe some of the voters will leave. Well, Embiid's not the MVP anymore. Like that's how fickle that could be. So it'll be fascinating to see now that they've sort of balanced out some of the talent in the East now, um, how that shakes out. But um, that, that's my take on it. I think that DeRozan should be up there, but I feel like, you know, Levine's scoring as many points as he is. I think it's, or we used to, was close recently. So it's almost like, um, you know, I just feel like when you have two guys like that, it sometimes lowers both of them in that race. Yeah, that team is going to be dangerous if they're healthy. Like nobody's going to want to play them in the playoffs. Uh, Cleveland? No, the well, them too, but the Bulls, right? The Bulls, right? I mean, and then we have to find out if DeRozan is going to show up in the uh, in the playoffs. That's the other big thing, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, Jokic was my MVP prediction. I think that I think he has a really strong case, and he could get there as well. Depending on that's it, the, all, it, it all depends on who stays healthy, you know. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the video right now on Jokic uh, and, and oh. trying to explain why he's not like the front runner for the MVP. Mm. Um, you know, but he won it. So, you know, there's always that fatigue where they don't want to do it again. And so that's that's probably the biggest thing. It's a small market, you know. So there's a couple of weird, you know, reasons like that. It had nothing to do with him playing. I mean, the dimes he's throwing, man. I, I should probably go through it. I don't know if I have time, but I bet you I could find 10 passes that were not made of ridiculous passes that like just got blown that uh, are as good as the assists. And I, I don't know if I have time to find them, but um, he, he really, they put him in great positions to, just to, to be that, that spoke in the, in the, uh, in the offense. Yeah. No, I mean, the- no, I'm sorry. He's the hub. <laughs> Everyone else wrote his folks. <laughs> no, the reason I thought he was going to win was because I knew his high, his usage would be really high without Jamal Murray out. He proved that he won it before, even though there is something called voters fatigue, you know, and he's just that guy, man. He just makes everybody around him better. Yeah. Yeah. Now the only question is, is, is it better enough um, in that standings? You know, it's hard in the West and the West is like, not really as feels like it's not as strong as it, as it normally is. But right now, Denver is six in the conference, you know, and they're doing fine and it's understandable with all the injuries. Michael Porter Jr. Really hurt him too. Losing oh him, man. Losing him. Yeah. That's sad because that's, yeah. Bad. Yeah. 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 And that's, a, yeah, that's a real issue. I mean, Zion, there's a couple of these guys here that are, are you know, I, I, I have, uh, I, I'm worried. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let's end with this. Uh, there's a lot to unpack from that Knicks OKC game yesterday. Josh Giddy, uh, Tibbs not playing some of his younger players. He probably should be playing. Did you get a chance to watch that game a little bit? I saw the highlights of Giddy, who uh, another another guy I'm doing a video on. Uh, I got to figure out how to do that because I want to do a video on some of the good passers in the league that we don't know about. And without question, um, and by the way, it's nice to see him. Like early in the year, I was going to do a video. I'm like, no, nah, he's not ready. His, his offensive game, you know, shooting wise and handling wasn't good there. I saw some interesting passes and some good vision, but uh, now he's gotten more and more comfortable and he's scoring better and that's opening up the passing better. So now he's really kind of coming into his own. Uh, I, I just want to give props to OKC. They're tanking, but they're also very competitive. And so they have like the model would be, okay, we want to be really competitive until the end. And then, you know, we don't want to win those games. They're still sneaking them out. And that's the problem. And uh, some of these guys really want to compete. So it's great to see. Um, I have a feeling that the front office is a little bit like, you know, wringing their hands saying, God, we, you know, we got to make sure we're lower in the standings, but um, as it is, they're, they're like primed to be, they're going to be really good. They're going to get another really high top pick. They'll get Shea Gilgis back, Josh Giddy. Um, you know, I love Dort. They have a they have a really nice team that they can develop into something overnight. Yeah, the one thing that they are lacking big time is rim protection. So maybe they could draft Chet. He is a rim protector, and he's a really phenomenal NBA prospect, in my opinion. He's just so awkward to me. I don't know. I got to see him <laughs> against pros. I think he'll be okay, Coach. Thing. So I will actually. You know what? I want to end off with something. Even though I said we were going to end off last topic, but I want to end off with something a little skill developmenty. If that's okay. even a word, because sure. Josh Giddy, when you watch him play, it kind of ties into the OKC Knicks game. Josh Giddy, when you watch him play, he could pass with either hand from every angle off the live dribble, off the live dribble. And I just think maybe that could be more of a focal point in our country's skill development, because obviously we focus on the ISO scoring, which is really fun. You know, even to this day, I work on that. But I think we can, you know, and I do think vision is somewhat innate, but if you don't have the options to deliver those passes, it doesn't even matter how good your vision is sometimes. So do you think we could do a better job of, pa- of, you know, I don't know if there's a word for it, but the layup package version of passing, I think we could do a little bit better with that. 
But when I played, I really um, derived a lot of pleasure from throwing those kind of passes, like the the Jokic is, you know, behind your head or like behind the back or, mm-hmm. or, or you know, threading the needle between, you know, two defenders. So I think part of it is a mindset, right, that not every player has, either because yeah. they're too nervous to throw it away or they're just you know, all about themselves and they want to shoot, they don't want to pass. Or And if they have to pass, it's going to be like, you know, the easiest 15-foot wide open pass. So that's one part of it, but you're right. There is a skill deficit where we're so focused on like two-hand chest pass, bounce pass, whatever, when it's like with the 10-year-olds I work with, I get them throwing one-handed passes at 10 years old. It's and important, yeah. then we'll do drills where it's like you have to throw the craziest pass you can come up with at the time. Like that's what you'd have to try and do to encourage that and create a safe space because otherwise you, you know, the players get too scared to throw the ball away. They won't let it go. And that's what those giddies and those and Manus and those kind of guys have is – that you know that the carefree like they're, they they want to try and set people up and make that pass it could be related to, to soccer i don't know if giddy played soccer and you know australia i don't know i think soccer is maybe not as uh that's a, as, that, that's a rugby country i think but maybe yeah, there's some soccer yeah. there too yeah yeah i mean sure they have you know f- football there but um you know th- there's something about that that the team nature of soccer that probably bleeds in a little bit but um and I would almost probably have my players, if I were going to run a program again, I might even play indoor soccer like like every week or two or a couple of weeks. Just have them play soccer uh, for 20 minutes as a warm up or whatever. I think that might actually help to bleed into it as well. Yeah, I think I've told you this before, but I remember playing overseas. We used to play soccer in practice, especially after wins. You know, we used to always mm-hmm. play soccer maybe once a week on some teams. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, there's something there. I mean, I I'll, I think I told the story before. I don't know on your show, but I played. Uh, I w- I studied in London for a semester uh, back in college, and um, I was on the team that they had a club team at the University of London. And um, I never forget. It was a two-on-one fast break. I'm the one, and I go to stop the ball like around the top of the key. And like before I could even get there, I'm like, I just the ball is way over my head, dropping into the guy, streaking in to catch and lay it in, like a moon ball which is totally soccer, right? Where you, you kick the ball up over the defenders and it drops in and they get, they get it. I had never seen that before. And I, I, I'll never forget that moment. I'm like, oh gosh, now how are you supposed to play defense on this? Because we're all thinking, no, stop the guy at the free throw line and whatever. This guy's throwing it like one step inside a half court, you know, on a, on a, uh, a trajectory. Um, so anyway, so that, 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 all that stuff is really important and, and it's developed in a way that in Europe, they don't do it here. Yeah. I mean, look, I grew up playing in New York city, uh, were some of the most creative players in, you know, in America. But even when I went to, you know, uh, Europe, it was somewhat of a basketball culture shock because you've seen more of the same leg layup before back then, before that was really a thing. You would see guards dribble all the way in, keep their dribble alive, dribble out. You would see all different kinds of things that maybe you didn't even think of. Like they definitely, their skill development is just different there. They don't maybe, maybe they bake in more creativity, which I think is so important. I mean, LaMelo Ball, you think of Pistol Pete, you think of Nash, you think of Steph Curry. I'm sure these guys' basketball upbringings had a lot of like, they were allowed to be creative in the process. Yeah. You have to basically, you know, not have so much control as a coach and that's what kills, you know, the creativity. I mean, I was even working with my buddy's program on Saturday and, you know, he's got teenagers who are, you know, they're not really playing on a team, but they come every Saturday and they work on their skills and we're running through all the drills like you do for a kid who's, you know, really focused. And it was just kind of almost fun to be in touch with that kind of thing too, where guys just want to have fun and play. And you know what? By the end of that practice, we had a couple of guys whose skill level was pretty low, but like they, they kind of started to make a few threes, right? Like, you know, because we were not 
it wasn't rigid and we were trying to allow them to explore. I, 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 this is what I ask most of my players now when I'm working with guys, I say, I go to them, I say, who is your best shooting coach? And sometimes they'll say me, which is very nice, but that's not the right answer. <laughs> they are the best, they are their own best shooting coach. You combo are your best shooting coach. You just need to know how to listen to what you are telling yourself while you are shooting. And that was my, I'm the Sherpa there trying to help them understand what their bodies are telling them so that they can now make those shots versus me, you know, yanking, pulling, stretching, forcing them into this, some sort of whatever vision of shooting that everyone thinks that they should be doing. Uh, that is the key. That is a, the, the way to unlock it. And, um, and then, the, you know, the players get the most out of it as well. Do you think maybe focusing on like pace, maybe high, low, fast, slow, then more the actual move could help with players' creativity? Um, I'm well, so what do you mean? You mean like, 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 okay, like me not telling you to between the legs, behind the back, crossover with these exact three moves on these exact three cones, maybe just saying go high here, low here, fast here, slow here. You could bake in your own moves as you please. Uh, I, well, maybe, but I do feel like there might be uh, a, ne a necessary progression that you need to instill, mm -hmm. and but then let them unleash that as well. And you hope that they will work on it on their own too, and then that's when they find it. But the other thing is, and I didn't, I was guilty of this on Saturday, was like I showed them a really cool, you know, retreat, dribble, and then swivel your feet and then attack. But um, I didn't really do it live. No one was grabbing it so well that I was like, okay, let's put some defense on this one. I'm really sure they got the feet, the footwork down. But like that's really the key is you know, all of a sudden you might have them swivel and then with the guy on them, they might cross over out of that. And yeah. I never showed them that, but like, you know, I, I actually did, but, but like that might happen <laughs> or they might swivel and then spin, you know what I mean? And that's where you start to get all that. And it doesn't happen if it's rigid and no defense and, you know, over and over again, you need to get it live uh, as much as possible. One-on-one, -on -one, two two-on-two, whatever you need. And then that, that's the, that's the secret right there. And when it comes to handle, it's more about footwork. I mean, you mentioned footwork. It's more about foot speed and footwork than maybe even your hands. I think I, th well, you know, for me, the handle is all about dynamic training, moving while you're dri dribbling Yeah, yeah, and not bent over all the way with your, you know, face, flat, you know, to the true. floor, uh, not just pounding it as hard as you can. Cause like, again, there is a notion and the way I teach dribbling a lot of times I use a lot of my, I want the wrists to really snap when you're using it in less arm. And that means you need strength in your wrist. So the notion of machine gun dribbling really low is there's something there. I'm like, okay, that'll develop that, but you probably could get that uh, more strength in your wrist better and quicker by just doing push-ups on your fingertips and getting those things that you squeeze, you know what I mean? And then use the time while you're on the court to be doing all the dynamic dribbling things that you need to be working on too. And that feel will come a lot quicker. I, I just felt like uh, I, I, it delayed the process when I did all the standing still two ball stuff. I mean, even two balls moving is better than two balls and, you know, standing still. So that's, that's the big thing I try and avoid. I mean, and I even told the guys on Saturday and like, you know, I'm letting you guys shoot threes like wide open with no defense, but I really don't normally do that. Cause I want you to have some, you know, process some visual stimulus of a defender in your, you know, I, even if it's not that close to train your nervous system to handle the, that kind of um, chaos while you're trying to reenact the same motion over and over again. So you like guys with the hands up in your drills? I, you know, I, I say funny words. I like, I might even just, you know, turn sideways. I, I do so okay. any kind of thing, anything to disrupt, you know, even if it's in the peripheral vision, 
disrupt that a little bit. And, you know, and then it's, that's the nervous system. That's the mental thing we talk about is the, the visual stimulus could disrupt it enough where then all of a sudden the mechanics get screwed up. That's what you have to train your nervous system to be able to handle and finish that motion all the way through, despite the, uh, you know, the distractions that are coming in visually or, yeah. or even auditorily. You have some outside the box thinking when it comes to skill development. I like it, Coach Nick. I like it. No, I, I try. <laughs> Coach Nick, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time. We talked about your aunt, aunt Edwards, uh, Michael Jordan video. We talked about the trade deadline. We even got to skill development. A great episode with you. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? I, you know, you type in B-ball and it probably will autofill the breakdown part. And that's where you'll find me everywhere. You'll even find Combo on the B-Ball Breakdown YouTube channel. How about that? Once in a while, you know, maybe once a week. Who knows? Absolutely. That's where we're going to find it for sure. <laughs> All right, Coach Nick. Thanks so much for taking the time and talk soon. I'm in. Hey, thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court Across the Globe. Big thanks to Coach Nick for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into Combo's Court. Be on the lookout for Episode 342. Combo out.